You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rouse Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good morning. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Farrell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a lacking, baby? What's crack a lacking? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. An early snowstorm making its way across the southeastern U.S. has already grounded hundreds of flights, halted train service, and knocked out power to more than 100,000 customers. NPR's Amy Held reports a region from Raleigh to Richmond could be feeling the impact for days. The system has already brought freezing rain or snow to parts of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas. Now, as it moves over western North Carolina and southern Virginia, forecasters say snow totals could be historic, up to two feet. David Roth is a forecaster with the National Weather Service. Some places might get the equivalent of a year of snowfall for that area. Roth says while the storm system should move out to sea by early in the week, continued nighttime cold means the impact could linger. You can end up with black ice on the roads. So that's going to be a concern over the next several days for this area. North Carolina and Virginia have declared states of emergency. Amy Held, NPR News. French President Emmanuel Macron expected to address concerns by the Yellow Vest movement in an announcement tomorrow after four consecutive weekends of violent national protests. The BBC's Hugh Schofield reports that hundreds of people were arrested yesterday and dozens were injured in clashes with police. There was certainly some violence in Paris and the scars, smashed windows, burnt cars and looted shops are visible, but it was not on the scale of the week before. The new tactics of the police Record numbers of officers deployed, moving quickly to occupy the ground and not hesitating to make arrests, paid off. 
It's a relief for President Macron, but not much more. He must know that the moment will be thrown away if he does not move in quickly now with ideas that go some way to satisfying the more moderate of the yellow vests. The House Judiciary Committee has released a transcript of the testimony former FBI Director James Comey gave on Friday. Comey was questioned privately as part of the committee's investigation into the actions the FBI took in 2016. According to the transcript, much of the hearing covered Hillary Clinton's use of private email server, but Comey also told lawmakers that the FBI's Russia investigation initially focused on four Americans and that President Trump was not among them. The chief financial officer for Chinese technology giant Huawei is awaiting a Monday hearing in a Canadian jail. Meng Wanzhou is facing extradition to the U.S. Craig McCulloch reports from Vancouver that Meng's arrest is sparking outrage from Beijing. The Chinese government, most recently through their vice minister of foreign affairs, has demanded that Canadian authorities release Meng immediately or face consequences. Canadian politicians who have been negotiating a free trade agreement with China say it is up to Canada's independent judicial system to work it out. Meng and Huawei are accused of using a subsidiary to deceive multiple American financial institutions to circumvent trade sanctions with Iran. This is NPR News. Coming up next on The Serious Side. At least one member of Congress is now sounding the alarm on the national level about those accusations of election fraud in one state, North Carolina. A Democrat on the House Oversight Committee wants an emergency hearing as investigators look into charges that this political operative, working for the Republican in the 9th District race, hired workers to illegally gather up absentee ballots from voters. That Republican, Mark Harris, leads Democrat Dan McCready by just 905 votes, 905. I just wanted to call attention to two sentences that, that, that jumped out at me. Uh, one, this is talking about uh, Flynn as the person. Uh, they say the defendant's record of military and public service distinguish him from every other person who has been charged as part of the special counsel's investigation. And here's the key sentence. However, senior government leaders should be held to the highest standards. Yes. As we think about how Mueller is going to characterize what went on in the Trump White House, the fact that he is saying senior government leaders should be held to the highest standards, I would be a little nervous if I were the people involved in the obstruction of justice investigation, starting, of course, with the President of the United States. The video shows a Cobb County, Georgia police officer talking to a woman in a car he pulled over on a traffic stop. She's unwilling to move her hands, afraid, she says, of getting shot, and he tells her, don't worry. But you're not black. Remember, we only kill black people. Yeah, we only kill black people, right? All the videos you've seen, have you seen black people get killed? The 65-year-old grandmother wailing in this dash cam video had just been pulled over by police in Alpharetta, Georgia. It took six officers to take Rose Campbell into custody. This news is extremely difficult for all of us to process and understand. It was a gut-wrenching revelation. We knew previously that Sergeant Ron Helis ran into gunfire and had been shot multiple times. 
Friday came the announcement that the hero who saved lives was killed by friendly fire. I'm deeply saddened to inform you that Sergeant Helis was also struck by a sixth bullet, which we now know through forensic analysis by the FBI's crime laboratory was fired from the CHP officer's rifle. Welcome to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show with Miss Kathleen Williams, Mr. Jerome Esprit, Mr. Elias, and the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D. Now here is your host, J. Ryle. Good Sunday morning to you folks. Today is December 9th, 2018. You're in tune to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TGRS Radio Network online radio. And it's best well, the serious side. Like the man said, I'm Jay Ralph, but I'm never sure by myself, almost by myself, but never by myself. Let me introduce you to my big sis. Matter of fact, I want to say thank you to this lady uh, live for taking me to the King Crab or the Crab King, wherever the heck that was yesterday. Had some good old seafood. It was good. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Vanessa and Nelly. Brenda McAnelly. Hey, Vanessa, how you doing? Good morning, Jay. We so enjoyed y'all coming to stuff when I see the show. And many, many thanks to Brother Les when he listens to this recording. Absolutely, Miss Elias. Oh, Lord, you can't even talk. Listen, it's your voice. Playing her today, Vanessa's in the house, Miss Elias. No, 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 no. no. Uh, what? What? What happened? I said today is Texan game day, Jay. I'm excited. Oh, God, yeah. We all are. Texans are doing pretty good if you're here from Houston. Mr. Elias, like she mentioned, is uh, en route back to his hometown and state. He was here, spent the weekend with us. Uh, just uh, always good to see the brother in the house. Unfortunately, uh, his uh, travel did not allow him to be a part of the show, but he said he'd tune in and listen if he gets the opportunity to. So we know Mr. Elias is a man of his word. He knows he's in the house. Also, uh, Johnny D, special prayers out to his family. He's in North Carolina. Uh, matter of fact, the storm system that beat us up over the past few days has moved uh, east, and so now they are experiencing some of the weather that we experienced here in the Houston area. So obviously, because of what he does uh, for a living, uh, he has to make sure that he's prepared uh, to be available for his staff. He will check in if he can. Prayers and thoughts goes out to not only him, but all the people who may be affected by this adverse weather system that's making its way across our nation. Also, Miss Kathleen Williams, she texted us a picture last week of her in the at the Grand Canyon. So she's on some type of uh, what's the is it called a sabbatical? She's just out doing her thing. So hopefully Kathleen is back in uh, the cold, frigid East Coast. She'll check in when she can, and of course our colleague uh, Jerome Spree. The smartest man in the world usually checks in after his commitment with Clear Channel Radio. So it's just me and Vanessa, which is good enough. We're glad that we're here to bring it to you. Of course, when Mr. LES is away, that means no chat room. I'm sorry, but you can hear the voice. And to make it even, we will not read comments from social media. So there you go. 347-850-1272 is the calling number. We have a lot to talk about this morning. It's the Sunday morning roundtable where we just talk about things. So this, I guess the timing of this is perfect uh, with uh, so many people out and about. But, you know, as always, we bring a show to you, and that's what we're here to do. So now, uh, a lot to get into this morning. Uh, there were some ideas that I threw out there. Uh, you know, we have a situation that's going on in North Carolina uh, with the elections being rigged out there. I mean, it's getting to the point now where the state election board, which 
which is ran by Republicans, are starting to say, wait a minute, I think we may have to do another election. Uh, I mean, it's so blatant. We're going to hear some some testimony out here uh, from a voter who actually experienced what they're actually doing in North Carolina. It's just unbelievable. Also, what's going on in Wisconsin? Republicans are trying to put rules in place where the newly Democratic governor will not have the ability pretty much to do a damn thing without the Republican GOP Congress approving this. I mean, it's blatant what these people are doing. But I'll tell you about an encounter I had with a young lady that I work with. Man, she said some things that got me warm. I'm going to bring that up on the show. Also, a situation where a police officer pulled over a young lady and told her, if you were here at the intro, hey, you know, we don't shoot white people. We don't shoot, only shoot black people. What happened to that officer? We'll talk about it. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Just a lot to get into. But, Vanessa, um, Look, we had a lot of conversations around the table yesterday uh, about a lot of things, and we always talk about Trump and what's going on. I want to start with the Mueller investigation because I think the walls are starting to close in, even though I just read something here where James Comey testified on, testified, uh, on Congress this week, um, and he they talked about the Hillary Clinton emails, 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 Hillary Clinton emails, emails, emails. But then one of the things that um, Comey said was they were investigating a lot of people, but Donald Trump wasn't one of them. And so now Donald Trump just released a text saying, uh, this clears the president. Thank you. I mean, what do you make of all this nonsense, Vanessa? I Jay, that Trump... Somebody is not informing him. Not only are they not necessarily, I think that he said he read the documents. He must didn't read it clearly because there's two different felonies that he's attached to. I guess what they're trying to figure out is are they going to wait and drop the bomb on him when he finishes his term? I don't think so. I think they're trying to get him now, and they need to. I mean, what's going on now is ridiculous. So I don't think it's a situation where they're trying to wait until his term is over with. I think it's a situation where Donald Trump feels the walls closing in on him, okay? He feels the walls closing in on him. And the bottom line is that no person, if you're innocent, there's no way you would fire off the number of tweets that this guy has fired off. I saw something this morning saying he has already used Mueller's name or used the word witch hunt, the phrase witch hunt, uh, 162 times during his tweets. I mean, and for people who are watching this stuff, people who are supposedly paying attention to this, for them not to be alarmed is something that's just un... It's, 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 it's something that's unbelievable. Now, I told you guys I want to tell you a story about a conversation I had with a coworker. Uh, we were in the gym working out, and I was listening to Morning Joe, which I usually do. I didn't have my headphones. Uh, well, actually, I did, but one of the things that I do is, you know, she and I, we work together. We usually work out together, and usually we're talking, but they were having a very serious conversation on Morning Joe, so I wanted to make sure that I heard it. But at the same time, be able to have a conversation with her while we ride on the treadmill or walk or run on the treadmill. And so, you know, she said, you know, um, 
people don't. They were talking about George W. George H. W. Bush. You know, his funeral was this past week, and they talked about how. And what she said, I agree with initially. What she said initially was, she said, "Look, she said it's unbelievable how people are saying all these wonderful things about George H. W. Bush." And she said that the bottom line is, is that this guy, no one respects the president, and they should respect the president. Now they're saying nice things about George H.W. Bush, but, you know, because he's dead, but when he was alive, you know, they crucified him. And my response to her was, well, you know, listen, I said, it's interesting we're talking about this, because on my show on Sunday morning, we had the same conversation, and some of our listeners weren't happy with the fact that we had said some derogatory, we didn't say derogatory things about him, we just talked about the men's record. And so I said, so I can see where you're being hypocritical. I said, but the bottom line is, regardless of what happens with whatever, you know, George H.W. Bush did in office, the bottom line is that you can't question his patriotism. Now, you may not agree with his policies, but you can't question his patriotism. I said, unlike the current occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And she says, well, she said, well, everybody should respect him, too. I said, he don't even respect the office himself. So why do you expect people? Well, I think that, uh, you know, all of them have flaws. You know, I said, what do you mean all of them have flaws? Well, all the presidents, you know, everybody. I said, well, okay, I hear you. I said, you know, you can probably go in and find something wrong with a president. That's, that's just the way that works. And then she goes on and says, well, you know, and I knew this was coming. She says, well, uh, you know, Obama wasn't all that good. And I said, I said, okay. I said, well, historians, I said, well, historians disagree with you. I said, historians say that <laughs> President Obama was one of the most productive presidents in this nation's history. Yeah, you would say that. I said, no, I'm not saying that. It's not me, because then it was like an insinuation I'm supporting him because he's black. I'm like, no. I said, what? No, I said, this is what historians talked about. So then she brings up a Fox News talking point, because you can tell that's where it came from. Well, what about all the millions of dollars that he gave to the to the Iranians or to the Saudis? I can't remember which one she talked about. And I said, really? Is, we're going to go here? We're going to talk about money when it comes to a president? Well, I'm just telling you, I follow this stuff. I said, you don't follow it closely than me, dear. I have a show that I have to make sure I'm on top of this stuff. Well, I have a husband. And so we kind of went back and forth with this thing, Vanessa. And I just got to the point where I said, let me just shut it down because it's not going to end well. The bottom line is that when you go back and look at the trajectory of jobs, when President Obama first took office to where it is now, there's a steady uh, increase in jobs. So for people to sit here and, and have this revisionist history who don't pay attention to what this man did while he was in office, it all goes down this line of black and white. And so when she and I had this conversation, because I was talking about how we work out in the gym together, and I had my phone on, and we were I was watching Morning Joe, and she commented on how people were saying wonderful things about George H.W. Bush. When, when people go back and look at the current uh, uh, occupant, in the White House, I've always said, look, and I say this to this day, Vanessa, we may disagree on policy, but we never in the history of America had a president where we questioned this guy Kai's patriotism. Never. Never. But people like her and other folks who continue to support this clown, they're either not paying attention, or they're turning a blind eye, or it's a combination of both. What say you? You know what, but Jay, I am really, really surprised, but then I'm not. You know how he was cracking the whip 
on the NFL. Get rid of those SOBs, and they're not. They're, they shouldn't be kneeling, and they shouldn't be. He didn't even go to the veteran cemetery because it was raining. That's a good point. And he didn't want That's to get wet. That's a good point. He didn't want That's to get wet. Dang on good point. I don't get it. You didn't hear. You did not hear one single word about that. And from the VA or from all these old veterans that, yeah, you're right, Vanessa, that's a good point. I mean, I didn't even think about it. This guy has so much going on. It's hard to stay on top of everything that's going on with this guy. You're right. He didn't even go to the veterans. He didn't even go to the, the freaking graveyard. Nope. Oh, this guy, he man. is the first president that has never, that did, that did not lay a wreath. The first president in history that did not go and lay a wreath because, He's too busy, or it's raining, or whatever. But they want to talk about. Well, he didn't go. Now remember, in France, he didn't go because it was raining. I don't right, think that it was, was the case while he was here, right? Why okay, he was I know he didn't go because and did not go and okay. has not visited it. It's because they just say he's too busy. He hadn't made it over there yet. It's across the yeah, street. Yeah, he didn't even think about it. To be honest with you, this guy's a joke. And for people who support him, it's ridiculous. You, you're just as ridiculous as he is. And the Republicans that are backing him are a joke. Just ridiculous. It's, 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 it's something ridiculous that when you sit back and look at it, you have to start questioning what the hell's going on around here. It don't make no sense. They ran and raped. If President Obama had done half this stuff, they would be bouncing off the walls. But they ignored this crap. Because they don't want another African-American president, and they're kissing this man's tail. They like a guy who's dumb that's in the White House, and that's exactly what he is. He's a dummy, and they can't understand that he is ripping them out. What's up, Vanessa? They say that he has spent more money already, two years in, on travel than Obama spent in his eight years. He has already spent... More money with Secret Service on his family than the last two or eight years of Obama on Secret Service. And they want to talk about Obama? I don't know that. And by the way, and let's keep it real, he's charging the the Secret Service to rent space out uh, in one of his buildings to protect him. I mean, this, this is a joke. This is a joke. And if it wasn't real life, We'd be think this crap is funny. This is not funny, Americans. Y'all need to wake up. This is nonsense. What's going on here? It, it don't make sense. How he and this is listen. Let's let's talk about the the killing of the reporter, uh, the Washington Post reporter. Now Republicans have listened to the the um, CIA director, and every last one of them walked out saying. Uh, yeah, the crown prince did it. You'd have to be a fool to think that this guy didn't do it. And what the president of the United States is saying, eh, maybe he did it, maybe he didn't. But you know, Saudi has arms deals. You know, he keeps he keeps uh, if he keeps inflating those numbers because the numbers are not really true. The numbers that he's throwing out there. And now there's a report, I think, through the Washington Post or the New York Times, saying that freaking uh, Jared Kushner has been he has been the uh, cheerleader for the crown prince within the administration, and is calling the crown prince on a day-to-day basis, telling him what to say and not to say about this whole thing with the killing of that uh, Washington Post uh, 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 journalist. 
I mean, what is this? I mean, what is going on? So, Vanessa, when you run into your little rich friend at the, at the, you know, when you go do what you do, you tell them to stop this nonsense. Stop, tell them to stop. Tell them this is ridiculous what's going on. And for them not to pay attention to what's happening, they are just they are just as bad. And that's the thing that the Trump administration is hoping. People are not paying attention, Vanessa. And they're not Wait, let me in tell you something. They, people know, know that the, the Saudi prince did not have all of these people come into the palace with saws and chop this man up, hide his body, and get on an airplane and try to get out of Dodge. There is nothing that goes on in those countries over there that the main people don't know about. That's just, that just doesn't happen. And so for his son-in-law to be in bed with him and his family to be in bed with the prince and all those people over there, it's just horrible. But you know what? It's all going to come to the light. I love it. It's going to come to the light. And everybody who helped him get out of this, why do you think that Putin and the Saudi prince did high fives? Why? Because, because uh, our president is the joke. They were high-fiving and laughing at each other. I think that's hilarious. I'm like, what were they laughing about? And my husband said, the president. That's just crazy to me, Jay. It is. It's ridiculous. And what's going on here is, I mean, this. I think we are in a national state of emergency. And for people, for people not to see that is scary. It's scary to know we live in a country where people don't, they're not paying attention to the point where as long as their lives are going the way they're going, they're fine. This guy is doing things right now that's going to have a major effect downstream. And here's what I'm concerned about. Let's say that the next president is Democratic. You know, these tariffs that this guy is putting in place, uh, economists are already saying that a recession is coming. And, and Trump is speeding it up. You know, the Republicans were talking about fiscal responsibility. Oh, you know, President Obama's running up this deficit, which, you know, that was the case. The deficit actually was coming down under his administration. But what this guy is doing is unbelievable. And they're not saying a damn thing. <laughs> not saying a damn thing. Nope. Nope. And don't care. Nothing. Like, oh, well. Nothing. Oh, well, we're going to do it. They can't even you know, say, Mitch McConnell. Ray, that their 401k mm-hmm. account is big anymore. They can't even say that because the Dow has been dropping daily, daily. Yes. So people are losing money in their 401k accounts. It's going back to just – it has went back to what it was before Trump got in office. So now what are they going to say? Now what are yeah. they going to say? Well, well, keep in mind, Vanessa, that's one of the reasons why they think a recession is coming. Because the bottom line is, you know, everything is starting to flip. Everything is starting to get out of control. When you look at where we're going with the stock market, when you look at what this guy is doing with China, you know, he talks about, oh, we have a deal with China. China's like, we don't know what the heck he's talking about. We don't have no damn deal with them. I mean, this, this, (laughs) it's almost like a bad Hollywood movie. It really and truly is. Oh, they going to make a movie wonder, off of this. Well, I mean, they don't need to. They don't need to. Because it's playing out in front of our very eyes every day. They don't need to. It don't make it don't make sense. 
None of it makes sense. No, and I don't understand why, why, why we're dealing with what we're dealing with. I don't understand how <laughs> Americans can sit back. Now, I say this. I'm reading a comment here, and I'm not going to read it live because the rules are, when Mr. Elias is not here, the chat room is usually not open because I, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on during the show. So I don't have the ability to open up the chat and monitor and all this other stuff. So the rule is, if he's not here, I don't read any of the social media comments. And so that's the rule. I'm going to stick by it. But I'm, I'm reading some comments here from folks, uh, you know, talking about some of the things that we had mentioned. So I'm, I'm going to stick to the rule. I'm not going to bring it up. I may bring it up in the topic during the next segment, but I'm not going to read verbatim what this individual said. But, but at the end of the day, you know, we have a dummy in the White House, and the bottom line is, is that I think he feels the pressure of the walls closing in on him. And you know what? And I hope to, to God that uh, that they get this guy out of office. And we don't want Mike Pence. You know, I think the best scenario for me would be is that he's already two years into his term. Let this fool run his whole term and get beat uh, in four years. Because I believe, this is what I think. Matter of fact, I tell you what, I'm going to hold my thought as far as what I believe uh, as a tease going into the second set. But I believe that the worst thing in the world that could happen is this guy get impeached uh, before his term is up. I really and truly believe that. Why do you think that would be bad? I'm, why do I think it's going to be bad? Well, you have to tune into the second set to find out, Vanessa. That's okay. the key. You got to uh-huh. tune in. You got to tune in. You leave it hanging, Vanessa. You leave it out there for people to say, I wonder why Jay thinks this. And so they can say, huh, I got to go grab a cup of coffee and come back and see why Jay feels this way. Because I disagree with Jay. I think Jay is, you know, sniffing catnip or you know, maybe Jay's drinking Sunday mornings when he should be in church. I mean, I believe that Jay is crazy, and so I am not going to, uh, I'm not going to listen to what Jay has to say. It's the Sunday morning roundtable three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right, in this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. All I'm going to say is changing the face of colleges across the nation. You know what we're talking about? You have to listen to this week's edition. Plus, the smartest man in the world just checked in. Mr. Jerome Spree, we'll hear from him next. You listen to the serious side. We'll be right back after this. At some of our nation's top universities, more and more students are coming from an unlikely place community college. That's because many Ivy League and other elite schools are accepting more transfer students. This is unusual because for the longest time at elite schools, if you didn't get in as a freshman, you didn't get in at all. NPR's Alyssa Nadworny explains what's behind this change. Walk across the green at Amherst College, a top liberal arts school in Massachusetts, and you'll most likely see a campus full of 18 and 19 year olds. But more and more, you meet people like this. My name is Maria Avar. I'm a transfer student. I transferred September 2017. I never really thought that I was ever going to to go to, to an elite school at St. Colvin. Maria and her mother came to the U.S. from the Dominican Republic when she was a teenager. Her English wasn't that great, and when it came time for college, she was a bit like, Why do I have to take them? How do you apply for colleges? Why are there so many colleges in this country? Like, there's so many things that you just don't know. So like a lot of her peers, she enrolled at community college. There, she improved her writing, she took honors classes, and worked towards an associate's degree. 
three and a half years later, she transferred to Amherst. More and more elite private schools are trying to diversify their student bodies by recruiting students like Maria. Just this year, Princeton University enrolled its first group of transfer students in nearly three decades, and many are from community college. It's part of an attempt to make elite colleges look like the rest of America. Diverse students are the fastest growing demographics in the U.S. That's Heather Dorosco from the National Association of College Admission Counseling. So it's really important for colleges recognizing that trend to realize that more and more of their students are going to be coming from that pathway. Indeed, more than half of Hispanic undergrads are enrolled at community colleges. The same is true for Native Americans. And about 40% of African-American students go to community college. And schools are recognizing that, hiring admissions officers dedicated exclusively to transfer and community college students. At Amherst, that person is Lexi Hurd. There's a lot of high-achieving students who end up at two-year schools. Finances have a lot to do with it, but there are other factors. They feel like, maybe I have a lot of pressure to stay near home, or no one in my family has gone to college before, so let me dip my toes in this for a little bit and then potentially sort of expand my wings. And expanding those wings, Lexi Hurd knows that that can be scary and confusing. Their learning curve in that first semester is, is a steep one. And I think that that's a really important message for people to know. So it's not just recruiting from community colleges, she says. There has to be support when those students actually enroll. Because things like this happen. Right before Maria Abar started at Amherst, her mom lost her job. They was hard for me to be here and have food in my plate while I wasn't sure how my mom was doing. It was a hit on her confidence, on top of the heavy course load and the constant doubts of, am I really good enough to be here? Here, students, they, they talk a certain way. Um, you know, they have these huge words that they constantly use in class and they're able to make these amazing connections and things like that. And some people are like, oh my God, I can't do that. You know, like, and it's not like you can't do it. It's just that you have not been yet prepared for that. After that first semester, things got better for Maria. There is a transfer student center on campus and lots of resources. When she thinks back to her time in high school and then community college, she can hardly believe that she's now a junior at Amherst. When you have big dreams and you don't have the resources for it, you feel trapped. Um, and you feel that you know, nothing is ever going to change. Um, so being able to be here and to fulfill my dream of education means the world to me. She says she's starting to see that her professors and her classmates value that she brings a different perspective. And all those big, fancy words, you can't take that away. I just wanted to call attention to two sentences that, that, that jumped out at me. Uh, one, is, this is talking about uh, Flynn as the person. Uh, they say the defendant's record of military and public service distinguish him from every other person who has been charged as part of the special counsel's investigation. And here's the key sentence. However, senior government leaders should be held to the highest standards. Yes. As we think about how Mueller is going to characterize what went on in the Trump White House, the fact that he is saying senior government leaders should be held to the highest standards, I would be a little nervous if I were the people involved in the obstruction of justice investigation, starting, of course, with the President of the United States. 
there's only one natural conclusion to campaign violations, and Pence is your campaign chair, that he may right. be impl- implicated in all of that anyway. So I believe that make a difference, Mueller, though? Say it again? Does that make a difference? I mean, these people, don't, they don't seem to care. Well, Voters. it may not make a dis- difference to them, but they can prosecute a vice president. Now, don't, yeah. don't get that twisted to the fact that <laughs> they are hesitant to, to prosecute a president because the premise on not processing the president or prosecuting the president is because the president is really unclear if a president can pardon himself if he's convicted while he's in office. That's why there's an impeachment process first before you have charges brought against you. So nobody's ever tested this to say, if you're convicted while you're president, you can possibly pardon yourself. So they did it in order. You know, they were smart, right? The founding fathers did it in in, in order saying that if you are found um, high crimes and treason, any kind of whatever the, the Congress decides, it's improper, you can be impeached, and then you can be prosecuted. But they made sure that you wouldn't get prosecuted first so that you wouldn't. Um, now, that's a Justice Department rule that they won't bring them up on charges because, again, they never tested if you can be impeached. I'm sorry, if you can not um, pardon yourself while you're president. That's the that's the entanglement problem that they have. Mm-hmm. So everybody keeps thinking of it as like he has a past of committing any crimes and whatever he can pardon himself. It's just because they put in place that he should be impeached so that he doesn't have pardoning powers if he actually committed a crime. Mm-hmm. So it well, seems kind of um, it's, you know what I'm saying it's just a. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just like a box but of crackers. You, you never know what you get. I definitely agree yeah. with you on Pence. Pence is worse, so I have no confidence in the fact that if Pence is there, what kind of problems we would have in this world. I don't think anybody likes Pence. But Pence couldn't win. I don't know if you've ever heard Pence speak, but Pence is like oh, yeah. more boring than a number two pencil. <laughs> he, he, he won't. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, like, he, it, there's nothing, there's nothing flavor, no kind of flavor of Mike Pence that you'll be like, he's dynamic, uh, that people love him. They would just be bored out of their minds. That's funny. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like I mentioned at the top of the show, where our prayer, thoughts and prayers are going out to the people that's on the East Coast as the torrential rainstorms. As they make their way across the continental United States, Johnny D's family is in that path, so we pray for him and his family. So he said he'd be checking in, in and out throughout the course of the show. We may or may not get comments from him, and everyone could, should be able to understand those things. But there's another storm brewing in, in North Carolina as well, and it doesn't have a damn thing to do with Mother Nature. You're talking about voter fraud. What's happening in North Carolina is just abysmal, and it's something that the national... Uh, media should pay more attention to And you do see it every now and then. You see it on cable outlets But I think the national news Should really take this story and run Let's listen to a piece and we'll talk on the other side 
Online radio at its best. Just breaking overnight, NBC News has, confer- has obtained documents from the State Board of Elections that show just two people, McRae Dowless and Jessica Dowless, alone between the two of them, collected and turned in 775 absentee ballot applications. And that's in addition to our own reporting, where we have found just a handful of people, including Jessica Dowless, have turned in dozens and dozens of other absentee ballot applications. Now, that's a big number, especially since Republican Mark Harris is unofficially leading in this race by 905 votes. You know, we talked to one woman who says that her vote, her ballot was illegally collected. Here's what she had to say. A young lady came to the door. She knocked on the door, asked could she get the absentee ballot. I told her, sure, I had broke the seal in front of her to show it wasn't never open. I broke it in front of her. I filled out two boxes. She said she was still the rest out, that it wasn't important. I signed it, gave it to her. It was not sealed. She said she would seal it and come back to me and show me that it was sealed. I never got a show back from her. And so you found out, though, that your absentee ballot was never turned in? Yes, uh, the investigators came. He came and he showed me that my name was on the list but my absentee ballot did not come up in the system. Vanessa, I mean, when you hear stories like this, when you hear stories like this, so this guy, Mark Harris, the Republican that's in North Carolina, apparently... Some Republican establishment paid people to go out. That's this is what they're they're alleging, to go and collect absentee uh, uh, absentee ballots. They never turned them in. This guy only won. He won by less than I don't know less than a thousand votes. It's just and, and as you just heard in the story, that two people collected over seven hundred plus absentee uh, ballots and never turned them in. That's just the ones that they had that they could that they can find in that situation. But then they went back and looked at these two people who were also involved with other situations where they collected ballots and never turned them in. I mean, what these guys are doing, I, I can't understand why people, no, no one's in jail right now, Vanessa. I can't understand why these people are not in handcuffs. This is, I mean, this is unbelievable what we're hearing. What say you? Unbelievable. Wow. Good morning, Jerome. Hey, good morning, Vanessa. You know what? Uh, I uh, think that they should just scrap this election and do a whole do-over. Seriously. I think they need to just do a do-over. This election right here is so crooked. It's beyond being able to rectify the situation of it now. They need to scrap it, cancel it, and do a do-over. That's what I think. Because you know what? How are you going to find out how many people did not get their ballots turned in? What about the military ballots that were mailed in? Did those ballots ever get counted? Did they ever show face on all of them? They can't get these numbers right. They need to scrap this particular one, and they need to do this election over. That's what I think. It ain't going to happen, but that's what they should do. Well, I don't know, Jerome. Um, it looks like I mentioned this at the top. Of the show that it looks like the uh, the, the board of uh, elections, which uh, is ran by Republicans, they're saying, well, you know what, this doesn't look good, and we may have to, you know, do this again. I mean, they they agree. That's one of the reasons why they're not going to validate 
and declare this guy Mark Harris as a winner because they're saying, uh, this stinks. And even we have some scruples. Maybe, we, you know, <laughs> for the most part we don't, but we just can't, you know. I think that they see, at least I'd like to think that they see, that this is ridiculous. And Republicans, no, look, Republicans do not want people. Republicans know the more people vote, the more they will lose elections. So they're doing everything in their power, Jerome, to suppress the vote. And this is just another example of how Republicans are blatantly breaking the law. And they're doing this in the they're doing this in the light of day. I mean, they're not even sneaking in the hotel with flashlights and doing this crap. They are doing this in the light of day, Mr. Esprit. Yeah, you know, and you watch what's going on with even the national stuff with Trump obstructing right in front of everybody, sending out a tweet, I don't trust Mueller. You can't do that to investigators. If you, if you right now, while you were in, under investigation for a DWI and you start discrediting your DA and whoever's handling the case, they'll throw your butt in jail. Because now you're, you're actually threatening them by actually making comments on law enforcement while they're investigating you. But he's doing that in plain sight. So if you look at what the Republicans are doing, like in Wisconsin and, and other places where they're, like, trying to change the laws because Democrats are about yes. to change, take over, they are blatant. And I don't know how anybody, and I mean this across the board, anybody is okay with that. But anybody who is, I don't trust them worth squat. So even though Democrats get in office, which kills me, Democrats get in office and they're like, well, we need to be fair now. So every time I watch people talk about even the upcoming presidential election, they, the crazy people like Bernie Sanders and those guys and Elizabeth Warren, it's like Elizabeth Warren, they're saying stuff like, we need to establish regular order back. And it, what kills me about that is that if, you know, just like in black folks' fashion, if they actually hung around anybody black, they would know this analogy. If somebody got a head start on you, like, like if we look at this in a sporting sense, and you spotted the team that's playing against you 50 points, and then you say, okay, they cheated for the whole first half, so we need to start even now. They're up 50-0, but now y'all, y'all can't commit any personal fouls or anything. I know they were unfair the first half, but y'all need to be fair. That's what black people are always told. No matter how many black people get shot, no matter, we need to trust in the system. We need to trust in it to recorrect itself without overcorrecting the wrong. So we need to not practice that. And any Democrat, especially running for president, who says that, I am not voting for them. Anybody who runs for office for me should say something like, we're undoing all of Trump stuff and putting Obama stuff back, and then we'll start from scratch from there. That's what they need to be saying. So when we start looking at, you know, politicians or, or political parties. Oh, and by the way, in North Carolina, you know that every, every elections committee, your county committees, they both have a Democrat and a Republican at your county commissioners. So it's not just Republicans. It's yeah. not the Republican county commissioners that are saying that they should, they didn't, they're not certifying. Each of them. Right. Um, there's a Democrat and a Republican commissioner. They always co-chair your commissions to keep them fair. So there is no such thing as your commission, your um, local voting commission being Republican or Democrat. There's two chairs. So so anyway, on, on that, 
you know, for North Carolina, North Carolina is not really going to go for it because there's two outcomes here. Either they cannot certify and call for a new election, and if they do, the same two people will run against each other. But if they don't and they let the Republican go to Congress, Congress, Nancy Pelosi, can say, we object to you being seated, and if the the, um, Congress doesn't seat them, then they would have to run a re-elect, another election with new candidates. So they would have to go through the whole process with a primary and everything if the Congress does not seat them. So there may be a thing that says, hey, let's let this happen so that we can run a new Republican against them, opposed to, you know, running the same race with the same two people. But if the local committee says, we're not certifying this, and we're going to run a new election, it'll be the same two people. So it's a little chess going on here, but there's don't think of the Republicans as being noble. They're not doing that. Oh, no, 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 no. Come yeah. on. We've, we've, had, we've had too many discussions about how everyone talked about how great John McCain did, that whole vote no doubt. And then, you know, we talked about Susan Collins, and then she came back and voted to uh, confirm Judge Kavanaugh. So, you know, I mean, our Jeff Flake, you know, after these women confronted him in the elevator, he still went and voted to allow this guy. Now all of a sudden he's saying, I'm not going to vote for anything until we protect Mueller. I mean, come on, man. I mean, look, if it walks like a Republican, and talk like a Republican, then it's a damn Republican. So, I mean, come on, let's stop it with that nonsense. I agree with you 110% on that. 347 850 About eight minutes before the top of the hour, you're listening to the serious side. We're talking about what's going on in North Carolina and in Wisconsin. You know, in Wisconsin, Vanessa, these guys are saying, look, okay, we let Scott Walker do what the hell he wanted to do while he was in term, but now that we have a new Democratic uh, uh, governor coming in, hey, guy, you can't do a damn thing without talking to us first. <laughs> we we just going to put all this stuff in place. And, you know, so everything has to come through. I mean, this is unbelievable. Both now let's leave, in Michigan as well and in Michigan, they're trying to find ways to limit the democratically uh, – here's the other thing, too. When they do all these different things, don't they know that maybe one day they may win their office back? They'll change and so back. I guess they don't really care. I guess they really don't care, you know, because they'll just change it. You know? They don't care. This is crazy. This is crazy. They don't care. <laughs> this is crazy. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I can't believe that, you know, we salute the flag, 50 stars, 13 stripes. I mean, this is crazy what these people are doing. I, it, it, you can't, listen, there's always been some nonsense in government. Don't get me wrong. But what they are doing now, I mean, like Jerome said, it's like you're playing a team. <laughs> Before the ball is even thrown in the air, they have 50 points on the scoreboard. I mean, what is this? They already gerrymandered districts. What you say, Vanessa? Look who's leading. That's where they're getting it from the top. But you, but see, Vanessa, look, look, Vanessa, the nation has been, the nation, you go back and look at the numbers. The numbers, the nation has been voting Democratic for the last, what, I can't remember, what is it, 26 years or something like that? Yep. 
And yet, they, and yet, the, the freaking up until recently, the damn GOP controlled most of the state's uh, gubernatory uh, races and the state houses. This is gerrymandering at its best. We're going to cheat so we can get our people in place. This is the white man once again trying to rule the world. And for you people, anybody Hispanic, anyone African American, if you are voting Republican, you are a knucklehead. Period. Yep. And this is unbelievable. Oh, my God. I don't know what to say. 347 I just give the number out, Jerome. I don't know what to do. There's nothing we can do about this. Well, you know, I, though, I, for, really? from my from my perspective though, I still always kind of feel like people waking up is more important than what they're doing because they've been doing this for a long time. And so even if you go back to to the serious side, two years ago or three years ago, sometime during Obama, it, it always sounded like I was yelling, right? I was saying, "Wake up! Something is going on. Wake up! Everybody can see it right in their face." And I'm not yelling anymore because it makes perfect sense that they would get arrogant enough to, in Michigan and in Wisconsin to say, oh, y'all about to take power, we're changing everything. Because this is what's going to happen. Then the Democrats will get there, and they won't change it back. And then the Republicans will get there, and they'll tighten it again. So we need to make sure that even if you're voting Democrat, you need to tell the people who are running, don't come in here acting like the Republicans. Right? Don't come in here acting like we need to be fair. We need to correct some of those things that they've done to give us, you know, uh, um, uh, an un- give them an unfair advantage. Just like when President Obama came in, that they had a, a majority of Democrats, but they only had that for two years. And so what happened is you had blue dog Democrats. And so instead of yep. changing the Voting Rights Act, instead of changing some of the things that was egregious, then they didn't do it. And now the Republicans come in there and they make it worse. Because when Democrats got there, they were like, we don't need to change stuff so fast. We don't want to make everybody upset. We need to govern from the center. They started that ball. And so we need to make sure. I mean, one of the things that I I find fascinating is when President Obama lost the midterm, it was Newt Gingrich on TV, and everybody was saying, you know what? He needs to take a vacation, rethink his strategy. The, the, The nation has spoken. And they don't need to make any major law changes before the end of the year. Let the new Congress come in and help because the people have spoken. What are they doing now on the Republican <laughs> side? <laughs> right? Complete opposite. They're like, oh, shoot, we're losing power. We need to limit everything. We need to pass every bill that we can. They went into panic mode. The Democrats never did that. They were like, in all fairness, we lost. The people have spoken, and we need to hear them. We need to stop being passive-aggressive when it comes down to that. So I don't know what to say, no. but I'm not frustrated no, because of it, because I know that people need to wake up and start listening to people like, you know, um, Cortez or Ortiz, you know, coming in there saying, look, I know Nancy Pelosi is good at what she does or whatever, but I need to push Nancy Pelosi. They need to get rid of Schumer. Like, Schumer came in there, and he's about to put Joe Manchin, um, who is from West Virginia, inside of the, you know, he's the ranking person in the um, Judiciary Commission com- Committee on the Senate side. 
And it's like that dude's pretty conservative as a Democrat. We, you need to have pushback against what Mitch McConnell's doing. You can't have people who are appeasing Mitch McConnell because he's from West Virginia. He's scared that they're going to turn on him. Democrats need to stand up. And so yeah. it doesn't stop just because you won that? all these seats. They need to get rid of people like Chuck Schumer. Yeah, I'm starting to uh, – I'm really and truly starting to uh, fall in line with that thought process. They really need to get rid of him because, you know, this whole thing with Google, uh, you know, I think his kid works for Google. At least all of them are just got some issues going on. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk – oh, boy. We're going to uh, take a look at um, a uh, situation that happened um, with a cop said something about, you know, you listen, you're here. Coming up next right here on the serious side. Be right back. It is the best Sunday morning online radio show, period. Hi, I'm Jay, the host of the serious side of the TGRS, and I'm asking you to come join me and my friends for some serious conversation before you go to church. It's the serious side of the TGRS. Happens every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the BTR Radio Network.
The video shows a Cobb County, Georgia police officer talking to a woman in a car he pulled over on a traffic stop. She's unwilling to move her hands, afraid, she says, of getting shot, and he tells her, don't worry. But you're not black. Remember, we only kill black people. Yeah, we only kill black people, right? All the videos you see, do you see any black people get killed? The 65-year-old grandmother wailing in this dash cam video had just been pulled over by police in Alpharetta, Georgia. It took six officers to take Rose Campbell into custody. Welcome back in. 347-850-1217. Listen to the serious side of the J. Ross Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TGR's radio network. Online radio at its best. As we always do, let's say good morning to our talents. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Vanessa May Belly from the Macanelli. What's up, Vanessa? How you doing? I'm good. How's everybody? Doing good. Doing good. Smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome is freezing the house as well. What's up, Jerome? How you doing, man? Yes, sir. I'm good, man. How are you? Doing outstanding. Of course, Mr. Elias is traveling. I want to say what's up to him. He's going to be listening to the show when he gets an opportunity. He was here spending some time with us. We had a great time. It was a beautiful time. I also want to say what's up to all the people listening out there. Now, I will say this, that I have to be careful. I want to make sure that if I say hello to some folks, you know, we have to be fair. Mr. Elias, when he's not here, usually the chat room's not open. So if you're listening, thank you for listening. To all the people who are listening out there on social media, let me say hello to to Kavita, man, because I know he's listening, because he always listens. Also, let's say what's up to the pastor. I know he's in the house as well. Uh, possibly Mariana Music. What's up to you, girlfriend? Um, and I apologize. I should know more names. Some of the people who are always chime in with us, uh, I sh- I'm sorry. I don't... Uh, I should you know your names. I know James is one. James, how you doing? I'm pretty sure you're a steady listener. You listen all the time. But I'm just trying to keep it real and keep it honest. Sorry, folks. You have to do it this way. All right. Also, in the house, our director for social media outreach, the one and only Jackie is in the house. Good morning, Jackie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing outstanding. Give us some information. I heard that someone had a birthday party. It went pretty well. Did you go? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, our good friend Cassandra Callaway. She had her birthday uh, last weekend, and it was awesome. So, definitely shout out to her. All right, happy belated birthday! And of course, we uh, went yesterday and had uh, some lunches. Uh, had lunch at a very nice place, celebrating the birthday of our very own Vanessa May Belly, friend of Macanelli. So hey, Vanessa, happy birthday! Thank you so much. Happy birthday to you! Thank you, thank you. A beautiful thing. All right, so tell people how to stay in contact with the show uh, when they're not listening live, or when we're not on live, I should say. Well, if you need any info about the TJRS Radio Network, definitely check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And all three pages have the same ending handle. Facebook.com slash groups. Twitter.com. Instagram.com slash TJRS Radio. So, and if you need to email about e- anything, email at seriousside at outlook.com. Keep up with us. 
All right. I also want to say uh, special prayers out to Johnny D and his family going through some tough rainstorms happening uh, in North Carolina right now. And also to our baby Momo B. Hey, girl. What's up, Momo? Almost listening in this morning. Hey, baby. Love you. I also want to say what's up to Monique. Hey, enjoying herself in Jamaica. Going on, girlfriend. Glad you're in the house. All right. And of course, like I said, what's up to Mr. Elias doing his thing? Just left here. Uh, my main man, love him to death. All right. So, as we played at the top, um, I want to play a little bit of a story that happened uh, here recently. Actually, the story happened a year ago, but the videotape uh, just reemerged here uh, in the last few weeks. It's uh, something that I think we all should hear. And it's not something, it's not breaking news by no stretch of the imagination. And no matter how much we act as if, uh, you know, we're surprised when we act as if, you know, we don't really care and this goes on anyway, so why are we shocked? It is still surprising to hear it, in my opinion. At least I can't speak for everyone, but even though we know it's happening, it's happening all over this nation, it's still surprising when you actually hear people admit this stuff. So let's listen to this uh, clip and uh, we'll talk on the other side. The video shows a Cobb County, Georgia police officer talking to a woman in a car he pulled over on a traffic stop. She's unwilling to move her hands, afraid, she says, of getting shot, and he tells her, don't worry. But you're not black. Remember, we only kill black people. Yeah, we only kill black people, right? All the videos you've seen, have you seen black people get killed? Though it happened a year ago, the video is just now coming to light. The officer, Lieutenant Greg Abbott, has been on the force nearly 30 years. His lawyer says he was, quote, trying to gain compliance by using the passenger's own statements. But the county's new police chief said today that what happened was unacceptable. I don't know what's in his heart, but I certainly know what came out of his mouth. The recommendation is to terminate his employment from the Cobb County Police Department. The date stamp on the video, July 10th, 2016. Stay with me. Just four days after cell phone video went viral showing the moments after a white policeman killed a black driver, Philando Castile, in Minnesota. As shocking as the Georgia video is, remember we only kill black people. Leaders of the black community in the county say the chief's decisive action is reassuring. We have hope here on in Cobb that we have a chief and leadership that is serious about bringing this department to be one of the better ones in the nation. The police chief says the community and his own officers expected an appropriate response. Pete Williams, NBC News, Washington. Hey, NBC News fans, thanks for checking. So like I said, so it's something that you, and thanks to NBC for, for that news, for that uh, clip, it's something that we know happens, Vanessa, but to hear a police officer say this, I, you know, some people say, oh, he was just being facetious or, you know, whatever the case may be. The bottom line is to hear this guy say this to a white young lady, here's, here, here's the deal. You know, we say white people are not paying attention. That white lady was like, look here, I, I can have you too. I've seen what you folks do. I'm scared. I don't want to die. And the guy, oh, well, you know, listen, you don't have to worry about it because you're white. We don't kill white people. We only shoot and kill black people. Have you heard? You heard me? Come on, Vanessa. When you hear stuff like this, it's like, oh, my God, once again, what type of country are we in? Are we so polarized? Are we so tribal? And this happened in 2016, by the way. 
And we all know what the FBI said about hate crimes during the Obama administration. You know, the, the numbers are, were off the chart. White people lost their damn minds. I mean, so when you hear this, Vanessa, the first thing that runs through your mind is what? It's just how racist that person was. I mean, there's nothing else to think other than to have it come out of your mouth that we're not going to shoot you because you're white. We only shoot black people. I didn't, I didn't take that as being funny. I didn't take that as trying to calm that lady down. I take it for what came out of his mouth. If you were black, I would, be, I would have shot you. But you're not black, so don't worry about it. And be racist. And it's worse now. It is. You know, we, we rarely get your opinion on stuff, Jackie. I want to give you an opportunity to comment on this. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just, um, it's horrible. What else can you say about about it? But it's horrible. Because, you know, why would something like that come out of somebody's mouth if they didn't really think that way? <laughs> why, why, why would you even think to say something like that if that ain't how you really feel? I don't, I don't know why we'd be hearing this stuff. I don't know why we'd be hearing this stuff a year or two later, why he wasn't fired <laughs> the very day he said it. I don't know. You know, that's so, you bring up a good point with that, too, because it's like, yeah, this happened in 2016, but it just surfaced here not too long ago, and all of a sudden we're going to react. But, you know, hey, in fairness to the new police chief, maybe that person hadn't heard it. He's a brand-new person on the job, and so maybe he's trying to do the right thing. Jerome, you know, I'm reading some of these comments here. Once again, I'm not going to read them live because, obviously, we're trying to be fair here. But a lot of, you know, some of these comments are saying, you know what, this is a lot about nothing. You can tell that the, 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 the cop was trying to be, you know, funny. He was, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, are you buying that, man? Right, because it was funny, and that woman felt in fear of her life, so that's funny. He was trying to be funny? That's how much sense that makes. Yes. Yeah. See, yeah, you know, he wasn't being, he was just being sarcastic, you know. Yeah. And then, you know. Yeah. So he should be fired. So if you don't want to fire him because of what he said, fire him because he was making inappropriate jokes when somebody was, when a citizen that they're supposed to protect was in fear of their lives and he thought it was funny that he make a funny comparison to try to calm her down. What'd you say? Shit, touche. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we, we have to, like I said, it's one of those things where people get desensitized and stuff, but there's no reason to get desensitized on this. If the old police chief wouldn't do it and you have a new one and he came in and fired him, you know, shout out to him for wanting to clean up the department. But, you know, here, but see, here's the deal. Here's something else I'm reading, saying, you know, this, this poor guy made a, made a uh, what is this? I'm not going to read it. Let me see. Can I read it real quick and sum it up in words? Okay, basically what they're saying is this person just made a comment. He was being somewhat funny, and now he's going to lose his uh, pension. So? So? Who cares? I mean, really? Is that where we're going? Because he's going to lose his pension? He should have thought about that before he opened his mouth and made that ridiculous comment. Once again, here we are accepting when people say stuff that's just unreasonable, things that are just completely out the mainstream, 
and they say these things and we're feeling sorry for this person, that person knew exactly what they were saying and doing. And, you know, right. here's the and thing. It was recorded on dash cam, Jerome. It was recorded on dash cam. He didn't care. Right. Well, who's worried about his pension? He should have been worried about his pension when he was out there cracking jokes if they thought it was funny. I mean, this is, this is crazy, That's man. what it should be. You know, you people accuse these people to... Go ahead, Jerome. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I say, I'm just saying that's, that's when they should have been worried about his pension, when he thinks he's taking people's concerns lightly by cracking a joke. You're white, right? He's still showing bias. He should, still should have known better than that. So don't nobody feel sorry for him. That's for the people who saying You know, but, but once again, Jerome, here's a situation where people are saying, you know, you're so concerned about the suppressor. You know, I mean, you're concerned about the person who, I mean, who's creating these situations. Oh, he's going to lose his pension. So damn what? He should lose his pension. He should, he should start locking these fools up. I mean, this is nuts, man. I mean, I can't believe this is the country in which we live. I mean, this is unbelievable. And I'm just so fed up. You know, I, you know, Jackie, when you said you were going to move to Canada, when if Trump won, you should have really did that. You should have left. You should have just left. I should, look, look, ain't too late. You know, you should have left. Because it's and it's ridiculous, it like what you're saying. And like you're talking about, some people are feeling sorry for him. I don't. Because it's his dumb comment is why he's losing his pension. It's because of what he said. He didn't care about his pension. He didn't care about his pension. He didn't care because, like I said, this stuff was on freaking uh, was on dash cam video. Then there's another another story of a uh, of a 65 year old woman who was, you know, they was giving her uh, they gave her a ticket because she was, you know, she had been swerving in lanes, and so they asked her to sign a ticket. She refused to, and so then he's like trying to order her out the car. She wouldn't get out the car. All of a sudden, here come all these officers. You know, now it takes six young. You know, young men, young men police officers to pull her out of the car. She's a year old woman. And then some guy told her that you're not in charge here. Shut the F up. You know, talking to a, a, you know, first of all, a senior citizen like that, not having respect for that person in general. But then you're going to pull out the car, you know. And so that officer got got fired. Uh, but at the end of the day, he says, well, you know, I was wrong. I was within my authority. I'd done everything I was trained to do. Maybe I shouldn't have used the profanity. Hey. <laughs> and so these guys, once again, pull this girl, pull this, this lady out the car. And I've seen videos where I remember the one video that was making its rounds, Vanessa, where that white woman, this officer, white state trooper, this lady was cussing him out. She tore the ticket up and threw it in his face. The whole nine yards, he maintained his composure. He said, hey, if you don't get out the car and pick this up, I'm going to give you a ticket for pollution, for uh, polluting. And she got out and picked for littering, I mean. And she got out and she was cussing him out, and, and, uh, and he maintained his composure. But, you know, when it's an African-American, it's like we have to take you out the vehicle. We have to search you. We're going to arrest you. And then when you don't cooperate, it's, you know, this is a tra- – you know, same thing that happened to the guy in uh, – the one man that got shot in Charleston, South Carolina, he, you know, that, that, that whole thing, that whole stop happened after a broken taillight. 
then all of a sudden this guy's dead. I mean, come on, folks. What are we doing? Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. But it goes on in America all the time, Jerome. And so I don't know why we act like we're surprised. I don't know why we, you know, act like we've never seen this before. I don't know why, you know, we get in an uproar. You know why we get in an uproar? Because we have to be the voice. We have to be the ones that show that we're not going to put up with this nonsense. So if you want to accuse me, folks, that are listening to being overdramatic, so damn what? How about that? And I'm going to continue to do it because someone needs to say something. Ridiculous. Well, you know, just to, just to repeat what you said, we're technically not surprised. We are disappointed that they are not surprised, right? And so I don't really care generally that about anybody else understanding what black folks' pain is. They need to stop killing us is my, my thing, right? I don't need you to understand. I don't need you to relate. I don't need you to understand the culture. We don't need to do no training. You need to stop killing black folks. You need to start stop trying to act as if, you know, 10, 12-year-old black kids are like 50-year-old white men because technically that's how they treat little black kids. Like they should be treating, you know, arrogant, crazy people um, generally in life. They won't throw them in jail. They can get out, you know, tear up a ticket, stomp around, curse out police officers, and they sit there and take it. But if a 10-year-old gets up, and he said, look, you're not putting no cuffs on me. They slammed that kid into the ground. That's crazy. So they, it's their way of thinking. And I don't know what to do about that, but I'm, not, I'm definitely not surprised. And I'm not immune yeah. to it either. So it's not my issue to actually act, act like that's normal. You know, I know sometimes no, when we get normal. in the conversations, we say stuff like we should expect or we know how they are. Forget that nonsense. I can care less how anybody is. We cannot take that stuff anymore. We need to deal with it when it happens. And just think about it. Here's the other part. You know, listen, like I said, this happened in 2016, but the bottom line is is that, uh, you know, at least in 2016 we had a Justice Department that was, they were trying to, to put reform, you know, reform in place when it comes to how police officers do things. You know, that's gone now. I mean, you know, these guys have uh, – you know, the people we have in charge now don't care less about it. So, you know, we're even in more trouble as far as I'm concerned. Okay. All, I, all I feel like is I'm not concerned about them either. So when we start having other questions about why do you think that our youth don't respect the police and all of that, just remember this day. Don't ask me no questions. Yeah. If you're not going to respect them, they cannot respect you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But uh, you know, the, you know these folks, these white folks, respect the president, respect law enforcement. When law enforcement is not respecting, you know, uh, us are respecting, you know, some of the things that uh, you know they, they're supposed. They were trained to protect and, and to protect and serve, and these well, people act like you know they're the ones that you know they're freaking you know the, the, the laws and you know they they are the judge, the jury, and the executioner. Well, it's almost like respecting the military for me, right? So. You can say that yeah. all you want to, but you have a president who has not even been to an active military base because he's scared that somebody's going to assassinate him. I mean, I'm not saying he <laughs> shouldn't be scared of that. I'm just saying people are putting their life on the line, and you act like you can't go because you're bigger than the people who are serving this country. That is sad and shameful. 
You know, well, so. Vanessa brought that up the first set. How the guy didn't even go to the freaking uh, he didn't even go to the dang on the the the, the, uh, the grave of the unknown soldier on Veterans Day. I mean, this he's a joke. He's a joke. He's a he's a coward and a joke too. So even with his arrogance, most arrogant people are kind of cowards too, right? Because we've all been in situations where people will talk noise until their mask is revealed and then they just go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my bad. And it's like, no, you you had cover, so now you were tough. Trump is no different than that. So he's scared. He talks about people in the military. He talked about, you know, Obama and everybody else, President Obama and everybody else. But he is scared to deal with anything that has to do with military, but he's not afraid to tell them to send, um, you know, shoot tear gas at kids. So you're a coward when you do stuff like that. The people who, who you don't think will fight back and now you want to get tough, you're okay with them. Everybody else, you, you, you want to, you know, keep your mouth shut. So, you know, I, I don't know who's supporting him, and I hope that everybody who supports him self-identifies. Just like they want people who are illegal, um, undocumented, you want them to self-identify. I want all Trump people to self-identify. Because you cannot say stuff like, we support him on this, but not that other stuff. Because that's all in the same package. And if it's all in the same package, then technically you are supporting the other stuff too. Yeah, it's... uh... It's a shame. It really is. It's it's a shame that uh, this is going on. It's a shame that uh, people are not more vocal. And and I should say, let me let me let me let me let me let me uh, let, let me think that through because I'm look. I see a lot of there are a lot of white folks who are actives out here uh, that are not taking this nonsense. I mean, so I should say it's everybody, but there's thir- but there's thirty the thirty nine percent that uh, love Trump. You know. I mean, the 39%, the people that he's not trying to grow the party. He's just trying to solidify a party are people that they already have. They're not, their base, their base is not getting any bigger, you know. Right, but like and I said this last, guy, like mm-hmm. I said last week, if you listen to the show and you think that we're being racist against white folks, technically stop listening to the show because oh, we man, know that that's again, because, tell them, No, please, we know that that's again, to be racist, but the, at the same time, we have to call out their culture because it sucks. We have to yeah. call it out because you're not calling out your own people. No, they're not. They're not. They're not at all. And that's the nope. thing that makes it so crazy. That's the reason why we voice. The, that's the reason why we say what we say because we have nonsense like this. That's this is the reason why, and people need to understand that. That's the main reason why we say and do what we do, because the bottom line is that you people need to understand what we're dealing with and need to understand it and, and just call it what it is, you know, just call it what it is. It's a shame. It's a shame. It, it really and truly is. And it gets to the point where, you know, every week it's like we say the same thing over and over again, but it's happening every week. I mean, so I'm not, you know, listen, we tell people all the time, you know, if you don't like it, don't listen. But I tell you what, you are soon becoming a minority because a lot of people are listening and a lot of people like it. So we're going to continue to do what we do. And if you don't like it, then you can kick rocks. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that on a Sunday morning, but I'm tired of I'm tired of trying but, to because they're I'm trying tra- to oppress other other people's experience. Yeah, exactly. Tired right, of it. So tired of it. 
Right. So instead of instead of adjusting your own behavior, you want us to curb what we're doing so that other people who are listening to us cannot enjoy the um, just the change in conversation. Because if we were sitting here doing political shows, and I I know sometimes I I am on those shows, and I can't. I it's not that I can't. I don't say half the stuff that I say here because it's not in context, right? Here I can put it in context. And when you talk about um, perspective and black folks and how we feel about certain situations, then you can get an honest assessment of what we're thinking opposed to you feeling like that we need to make you comfortable about something you're doing to us. And most of the time black people are always caught between living in corporate and staying in your community. And living in corporate for black people means that you have you have to suppress your thought about your community because corporate does not want to hear it. People at your job don't want to hear how your neighborhood is going. But they want you to be upset when little Katie falls in the well. Right? So we always have to deal with that type of um th- that type of like irony when we are working in corporate. So this show gives us the ability to kind of talk about it from our perspective so that we don't have to do that. So if you're listening, I am glad you're listening, and if you have any questions, please ask. But the problem is is to have us stop talking about what we're talking about because you want to hear something else, I say turn the station. There you go. I agree with you 110%. All right, it's time for an NPR news update, and then we're going to jump in. Like I said, since Mr. Elias, Mr. Elias is not here, no uh, chatterbox. We're going to go straight into on a need-to-know basis with our main man, Jerome Spree. That's coming up next. You're listening to the serious side of the J-Rail Show. At the Major League Soccer Championship last night, Atlanta United won the title. And our Hurt reports from member station WABE. The win marks the city's first sports championship in more than 20 years. Both Atlanta and its championship opponent, the Portland Timbers, have strong supporters and have sold out all their regular season games. But in its two years on the field, Atlanta has blown pro soccer attendance records away. At last night's game, United beat Portland 2-0 before another record-setting crowd of 73,000. For Atlantans, this was also the end of a drought. The last time the city won any national sports championship was in 1995. Mill Robinson works at the Atlanta United Stadium. We have come close. We've been the big dance and always came in second. Not tonight, baby. There's a victory parade planned for Monday morning. For NPR News, I'm Emma Hurt in Atlanta. In college football, Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley says Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray has worked hard to become an elite quarterback. With all the high points, there's been a lot of tough moments, you know, for him to see what all that guy's gone through, to see how he's grown, improved as a player, just improved all around. It's, uh, it's a lot of pride. Tyler Murray was named this year's Heisman Trophy winner last night, making Oklahoma the first school with Heisman-winning quarterbacks in consecutive seasons. Oklahoma preparing to face Alabama in the Orange Bowl December 29th in the college football playoff semifinal. Alabama quarterback Tua Tungalogoa was a Heisman runner-up. This is NPR News.
972 is our caller number, 347-850-1272 is the caller number. Now, usually we do Chatterbox, but we're not doing Chatterbox this morning because, once again, Mr. Elias is out. However, I want to get a phone call in before we get into on a need-to-know basis. And let's, uh, this is coming from Mesa, Arizona. This is Pastor Don Jr., CEO. I hope I said that correctly. Pastor Don, good morning. Welcome into the series. How are you, sir? Greetings in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Pastor Don Jr., CEO, coming by way of Mesa, Arizona, from the Entertainment Worldwide Network. Our broadcast network goes out to 1.5 million listeners, 25 AM and FM radio markets domestic. We have over 300 winning team members. I came to sup with y'all. I love what we've been doing. We've been on over 1,500 radio shows, podcasts, and networks, getting off from behind the pulpit, finding out what's going on in the community. The only way we can share wisdom and part with if we hear it, apply it. And one thing I want to say, I was talking about Trump, and I will say this. Out of all my years of living on this earth for 40 years, I've never seen a president make so much mockery of us as a people. And now he's making mockery of the people. He gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning, says crazy stuff on Twitter. Then at 9 o'clock in the morning, he signed a bill and signed our life away for the next 50 years. We have to pay attention, not what he's saying on Twitter, to the bills that he's signing. If you haven't already, write to your congressman, your local state representative, your mayor, whoever, and say we got to work together. It, it takes conversations like this and platforms like this where we're bringing the knowledge, we're discussing it, and once we have a conversation about it, one thought is going to lead to the action that's going to change the world, but we have to get proactive and be reactive to what's going on as opposed to holding a picket sign. We don't have time. We need to get in line and actually work together in a single file line to work towards change. And sometimes it's hard to walk when you don't have no shoes. So I believe in being effective with the limited resources we have. If we don't have any shoes, we got to work together to weave some shoes. So I'm here, my brother. I, I just, I'm excited. Y'all got me on fire today. I'm pumped. This is real positive. Positivity and y'all keep pushing, man. You, every time you do something right, somebody's got to hate, and if nobody's hating, you're not doing your job. So I, I mean, I'm out the way, you. man. I'm here as long as y'all keep me on. <laughs> I'm out the way, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pastor, you know we appreciate you checking in. Uh, you know, bottom line is is that uh, <laughs> we do this every Sunday. So <laughs> so we're glad that you're in the house. Thank you so much. And uh, listen, don't be a stranger. We'd love to get some of your commentary. Love to hear from you. It sounds like you have a voice. And, uh, you know, that's what we try to do. We try to do that every Sunday from 9 until 11. That's all central right here on the TGRS Radio Network. Thank you so much for checking in, my friend. Pastor Stephen Jones. Now, listen, you know, Jerome, I said I wouldn't read anything, but I got to read Pastor Stephen Jones. Come on. I mean, come on. Pastor Stephen Jones. Stephen Jones, hey, listen, Pastor Stephen Jones, Pastor Stephen Jones checked in. He says, once again, a great show. You guys are simply the best. Continue to do what you do. May God bless the TGRS radio family. Thank you, Pastor. We appreciate that. I'm sorry we broke the rules. All right. And on that note, you know what time it is. Without any further ado, my favorite part of the show, here we go. Five, four, three, two. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. All right, folks, it's time for my favorite part of the show and Mr. Elias's favorite part of the show on a need-to-know basis with our main man, Jerome Esprit. It looks like, speaking of the man of stuff, Mr. Elias has checked in. I'm pretty sure Jerome would have a problem with you saying what's yes, up, sir. Mr. Elias. You want to say what's happening to the peeps? 
What up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, man? Good morning, Jay. Man, good, good, good to hear you, brothers. Hey, good to hear you. You made it back from your trip, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, I just walked through the door, man. Just walked right. through the door. All right, cool. <laughs> My man, all right. What you got for us, Jerome, this morning? Okay, you know, Wells Fargo had a computer glitch. They blamed as hundreds of people lost their homes, and the bank offered apologies, but no real explanation. So last month, what? Wells Fargo, yeah, they revealed an underwriting error that caused an incorrect injection of 870 loan modifications over an eight-year oh. period. <laughs> they said it was a clue. Oh, so, did they, so they, did they say my fault? My fault, man. I'm sorry with you. My fault. We good. Yeah. It, and I can tell you, I have uh, one of my cousins in Houston had Wells Fargo. They had to get a modification to another, to somebody else, because they were rejecting a loan modification. But they said that this error sent 545 homes into foreclosure by mistake. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They issued an apology last month. Eight years ago, yeah. people lost their homes and moved on. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, my bad. You shouldn't have been in foreclosure. Wow. Yeah. I know. I don't even know Ouch. what to say about that story. I don't either. <laughs> I really don't have anything yeah. to say. Oh, my God. You lost yeah. my, I lost my home for your, your area. You saw my bad. Uh, yeah, my well, bad. Um, we'll, we'll offer you this prepaid credit card. Like, what they, they going to do? <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah, so I, I can't imagine when people start seeing um, a class action suit need to help this. Because I, I don't know what to tell them. You lost your home, yeah. uprooted yeah. your life for the last eight years, and now they're like, ooh, I made a mistake. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Class action lawsuit is gonna happen. That's common. They I'm have surprised it ain't already been done. Yep. They said five hundred and forty five homes were foreclosed and um eight hundred and seventy modifications were um incorrectly rejected. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now ow. <laughs> Now you know, uh Hershey Park uh, in Pennsylvania, this guy lost his wallet four years. Ago, he lost it on the roller coaster, and they just they returned his wallet this week. Really? They said, yeah, they said after a maintenance worker came across it. Now, think about this: if you lost your wallet in a roller coaster, who knows where the heck it was? It was under, under, under something. So, but they actually returned it. Now, they didn't say if wow. there was any cash or anything in there. No, I think they showed the credit cards and stuff still in there, but they didn't take anything. <laughs> but four years ago, two thousand. 2014, he lost it in Hershey Park on a roller coaster. Now, Cubans will be allowed internet access on their phones um, this week. Um, the country recently announced that uh, Cuban citizens can begin to um, use this um, 3G service for their smartphones. And um, they had to use their state-run email accounts previously, but now they get um, regular phone service. Let's see how long that lasts, because you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have done some funny things in Cuba that Cubans has not liked. So, I, I, I have respect for any sovereign nation, but we have kind of piggybacked on their phone system, like they did, our, you know, like they do ours generally. 
and Cuba wasn't having it, so they did their own phone system. But they're giving them wireless service now, so we'll see how that goes. Hmm. Now, former former Red Robin CEO um, Michael J. Snyder committed suicide last Sunday. It was in his own front yard. He was 68 years old. He had a high-powered gun. He was sitting on a bench in front of his home. He lived in um, the state of Washington, and um, he committed suicide. I don't know what wow. that means. But yeah, CEO, former CEO of Red Robin. All right, form, former okay. first lady. Yeah, what you say? That's okay. Wow. I know. This former first, boy. I know. Yeah. You know what? And, and it usually, you know, our, our financial, um, we're starting to have financial problems again. So you know where this is going to go. When those mm-hmm. markets start to turn too badly, we're going to have a lot more of those stories. Now, former First Lady Michelle Obama caused a stir during her um, arena book tour on Saturday when she uh, said that marriage inequality not be solved by women leaning in because that SHIT does not work all the time. She caught herself first. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> Everybody oh, appreciated the fact that she was just being honest. Like, huh? Yeah, it don't work. So you just mm. can't. You just can't do everything, you know. So she, mm. she made the comment during her appearance, which was at the Barclays Center, uh, where a crowd of thousands came to see her promote her new memoirs, Becoming. And she was commenting on whether women can experience um, equality in both their marriage and the workplace. And she said that um, um, the the whole so you can have it all. And she kind of referred to it. She said, nope, not at the same time. That when fact, um, when factoring in her ebook and audio recordings, you know, she sold more than 2 million copies in two Ooh. weeks. Mm. Yeah. And actually, mm. and I bought one. I actually bought a gift from my mom. So <laughs> I, I actually contributed to that, which I'm cool with. But the hardcover edition um, of Becoming is now in its sixth printing. Meaning that the publisher had had, had to reorder more copies to keep up with demand. Mm. So after, after well, they turned, let's not sell it short. Let's not sell it short, Jerome. But listen, she sold out the, the Barclays Center. I mean, it was sold oh, out. No doubt. That's what I mean. It was thousands yeah. in the Barclays Center. She's she's selling yeah, 15, out fifteen thousand people. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yep. There there were um, three point four million copies of that book printed in the U.S. and Canada, according to Random House. And it became the number one bestseller in the UK, Germany, France, Italy, and other countries already. Wow. And she, you know, here's the thing. She took time off of her book tour. She flew back. I think it it wasn't from London. She went to London the next day. But she flew back off of her book tour to go to George W. Bush's uh, or George H. W. Bush's funeral. And... I know there's a lot to be said about that, but since the last show when we talked about um, the Bush guy and people felt like we should have gave him a moment, I'm not giving him a moment today. Now, there was an (laughs) op-ed by Michael Neiman who said that um, it was titled, I will not speak kindly of the dead. Bush was uh, uh, despicable Uh, or detestable is what he said. He said that we are supposed to bury our dead presidents with some type of fanfare and reverence that the 
colonial forebears of this nation's white settlers reserved for royalty. But the, for the people whose countries or lives were destroy, destroyed by his violent actions, he will always be a monster. So sanitizing his yes. is detestable as president. This is sanitized story of what he, what he called was uh, amounts to historical uh, um, revision, revisionism. So here's the top eight things that he said. This is without the fact that his friend, John Hinckley Sr., Sr.'s son, John Hinckley Jr., shot Reagan. We're not going to talk about that part about Bush. Okay, but we will talk about this part. The infamous Willie Horton campaign ad... Successfully yes. deployed by his team in 1988. You know, it yep. was Roger Stone. You know, who, you know, the Trump fame Roger yeah. Stone crazy guy? Mm-hmm. He said right. at the time he warned Bush and the Republican National Committee Chair, Lee Atwater, he said, it's a racist ad and you're going to regret it. You and George Bush will wear this to your grave. And after Atwater died in 91, he apologized for the Willie Horton ad, but Bush never did. Hmm. He approved that ad, although he didn't develop that I don't that doubt ad. it. Right, because remember they were going after Dukakis, and they were like, you let Willie Horton out. So he, yeah. he had a hand in that. Now, barely, mm. one, year, barely one year into his pres- presidency in December 1989, Bush invaded Panama. So we're talking about invading another country. So the invasion to ar- arrest um, Manuel Nor- Noriega cost as many as 3,000 Panamanians' lives in destroyed working-class neighborhoods in Panama. So the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights this year ordered the U.S. to pay reparations for that war. Now, I don't know if they're going to get paid it, but they were ordered reparations for something Bush did. Now, if you don't know, Bush, when he was at the CIA, was um, supporting Noriega. And then oh, I don't doubt that. On. Yeah, and then they turned on him. So, okay, now, Bush launched the first Gulf War, Operation Desert Shield in 90, and then Desert Storm in 91. After hmm. Saddam Hussein, who invaded Kuwait, um, he effectively received the green light to do so from Bush's ambassador to Iraq, April Gillespie. They said, okay, go invade them. And then when they did, they actually went for against Saddam after they gave him the green light. So, yeah, so most Iraqi troops and civilians, 33,000 of them was killed by bombardment as they fled Kuwait. While they were leaving, we killed 33,000 people. And they weren't trying to fight Mm. the U.S. They were fleeing, and we killed them. This is under Bush. Mm. Dropped yeah. 8,500 tons of bombs in Iraq's water um, infrastructure for water, sewage, and other facilities, food processing plants, agricultural facilities, and the nation's electrical grid and transportation infrastructure. So, as many as 70,000 secondary Iraqi deaths resulted from the infrastructure damage, and as many as 500,000 premature deaths. Due to um, sanitation, followed the war. Sanitational problems. Five hundred thousand more people died. This is Bush's legacy. And then so people we, t- under want to know why we were talking about him last week. Right. We were. You're like he he was he was cordial. So don't forget, Bush escalated the war on drugs. 
1989, he lived. Uh, he had a live television address. I don't know if you guys remember this. Some of you are too young to even be there during this time. But he held up a bottle. He held up a bag of crack. And, yeah. And and he said he got it from um, Washington's Lafayette Priory, that's across the street from the White House. Now later, the bus the the bus turned out to be a PR event orchestrated by agents who lured a drug dealer into that park and then cited that the high-profile arrest across from the White House, uh, Bush called for more prisons, more jails, <laughs> more courts, and more prosecutors. Mm. While they maintain, they do, man. Yeah, while they maintain those legal, those racist legal disparities that made black drug users 12 times more likely to go to jail than white drug users. That's Bush. Yep, right. that, that, cause that's when they made crack cocaine more 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 jail time than they did regular cocaine. I, I didn't see the difference. One of them, they, they both the same thing, you yeah. know, both of yeah. them are cocaine. Yeah, people are trying to, and that's why um, apparently Trump is trying to bring back Bush as attorney general. That's why they, he nominated yeah, him. I saw that one. Yeah. So, but yeah, as I saw president, that. Yeah, Bush used his office to obstruct justice and thwart um, investigations to the criminal activity of the Reagan administration. Now, you know how many people hmm. went, I think it was over, um, I think it was nearly 130 people went to jail um, during Reagan? Yeah. But more would have gone. But what happened is that Bush, um, when he started, he served there for Reagan as vice president. Reagan's campaign conspired with Iranian leaders in 2013, Lee Hamilton, who chaired the investigation, admitted that they may have ended differently if Bush wouldn't have withheld evidence. He would not give them evidence during that investigation. In 2013, he admitted that. But Bush <laughs> held evidence so that they wouldn't prosecute any more Reagan's people after 130-plus people went to jail. So everybody knows the Iran-Contra affair um, involved a complex chain of interconnected activities where the Reagan administration sold missiles to Iran, where they were technically the enemy of the state and hostile to the U.S., and supposedly this was payback for the hostages. So what happened is the dark money from the missile sales was used to fund the Contras or the liberation fighters um, who were wage, waging war in the democratically elected um, Sandinistan government of Nicaragua. So the hostage deal that Reagan's held up during Jimmy Carter's time, while they were negotiating with Iran, they paid them back by giving them missiles and then using that money to pay for the drugs that came to this country. <laughs> that started the crack act. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it said, it wasn't us, not us, that we, we would never do anything like that. Why? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's not like this stuff don't come out. So I don't know why news right. is covering it. But the um, he also was indifferent to AIDS, by the way. So when AIDS activists, you know, um, they uh, reacted with comments that Bush responded, "You can't talk about AIDS rationally," because um, I guess they were saying that when. They were complaining about AIDS. He just said it's a gay person's disease, and he walked away from it. <laughs> he went and killed with it until white folks started getting AIDS. Well, mm-hmm. it was like gay folks, but he still didn't count them because he kind of said it's a gay person's disease. And, um, no, not. Yeah. And if you don't know, you know, Bush is the person um, who opened up Guantanamo. 
Now, really? Haitian, yeah, when Haitian refugees escaped the violence in 1991 in a coup um, in the country, they sought asylum in the U.S. So Bush opened up Guantanamo for um, opened up the camp at the U.S. Native, NATO, naval base at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. His purpose was similar to his son, George Jr., who later did the same thing, that he wanted to hold people um, without allowing them on U.S. soil, but had U.S. protection, you know, U.S. laws to protect them. So they're like, you're not on U.S. soil, so you can't get asylum, but we can protect you because you're at a U.S. base. That was George H. Bush who did that to Haitians. And and he he also said that Haitians... He said the Haitians posted threat like no other refugee group or my uh, or migrant population. <laughs> he said the Haitians were dangerous. They yeah. were bad as well, they, they was as bad as white supremacy. But anyway, yeah. that, that's all. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that was his that was his thing. All right. So um, yeah, I just wanted to give you some some highlights. George Bush, in case you listened to the last show and think we didn't give you no facts about George Bush. Yeah, that's, really? that's the guy who y'all just watched all week and had a little moment with. Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I did mention uh, Michelle Obama's book tour, but you know, when she was in London um, Monday night, you know, uh, Meghan Markle um, secretly attended um, her book signing. Oh, really? Why does she secretly yeah. attend it? Why does she secretly yeah. attend it? Just go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, what they what they said was she was kind of she was in the back, so she attended, and of course we're reporting on it, so they know that she was there. But she didn't want mm-hmm. to distract from the crowd. Let her um, kind of do what she does, and then Megan met her in the back when they um, when it was over. So she was there. Okay. She attended. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. She. she yeah, she was there with a uh, what what um, First Lady Michelle Obama is doing. Is she usually takes somebody on tour, so this time she had um, a Nigerian novelist was there in London with her. So she's kind of letting she's letting other people shine while they're interviewing her for her book, being that she's getting stadium full of people. But you know, Megan Markle, she figured she attend as well. Man, spreading the love, Michelle Obama. I love it. There you you go. Now, I don't know if you saw that the U.S. representative-elect, Alexandria Ortiz-Cortez, had brief words on Twitter Twitter with um, former Governor Mike Huckabee. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, and with Donald Trump Jr., right? Yeah. Well, he said something about him, too. But what happened is that uh, um, Alexandria Ortiz, he said that – yeah, well, okay, so White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders has the ability to tell the truth. That's what she was questioning. So when they asked her a question, Ortiz compared her surprise victim to moon landing, right? She just said, or the Civil Rights Act, something that wasn't supposed to happen, right? She said it's something nobody else thought that we can do. So Huckabee Sanders said that um, the moon landing was... Loonier, not loony, calling her loony, right? It's mm-hmm. so, so um, what Ortiz said was that he's not as good of a liar as his daughter. <laughs> 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 Jeez. 
She she is ruffling some feathers, boy. I'm, hey, I'm excited about boy, the, having I, the ability I, I to like cover her, her next year. I'm I can't sorry. wait. I like her. I, I yeah. got a crush on her, man. I think she like. is on point. I, I'm yeah, telling you, she's young to be your daughter, so get off the crush. But go I don't ahead. Care. I'm sorry, I still got a crush. I got a crush on her. So what? Okay. Yeah, no she, she, she said, leave the false statements to Sarah Huckleby. Um, she's much better at it, is what she told me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's crazy. That's good. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I, I didn't do this story because uh, a, a long time. I, matter of fact, we did this years ago. But if you don't know, billionaire okay. sex offender Jeffrey Epstein reached a last-minute settlement on Tuesday as the grand jury was expected for him to begin a trial in Palm Beach. So the 65-year-old hedge fund manager surrendered and agreed to an undisclosed financial settlement. Now, this is the civil suit. Now, if you don't know who this guy is, Epstein, um, he didn't want anybody to testify against him. He's accused of pimping out 80 underage girls. Between 1995 what? and 2005, 80 underage girls. So wow. as many as many as 60 have, yeah. Wait, it gets worse. As many as 60 have come forward. But if you don't remember who Epstein is, he is the guy who Trump nominated for um, labor. Yeah. Alexander Acosta, when he was U.S. Attorney, he gave him 13 months in prison. Right. He let him off. Yeah. So there was many. Yeah. yeah, they they said that um, you know, despite you know this full blown FBI investigation of him, he was sentenced to 18 months, only served 13 in a Palm Beach County stockade, not prison. He was reportedly allowed to <laughs> up to 12 hours a day to visit his office and meet clients. He should have gotten life in prison. Yes. Yeah. And they, yeah. they gave yeah. 13 months. Now, yeah, look what happened then, to the uh, gymnast. Look what happened to that doctor for the, yeah. whatchamacallit, over 90 seconds out. All right, Jerome, we have time yeah. for one more, man. Go ahead and finish your story, though, sir. Okay. Well, I just want to say this really quickly. Um, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, and Prince Andrew, Andrew was amongst his friends in his book when they read it in court about his political connections. That's why mm. that's why Bush is um that's why Trump is helping the guy who let him off because he was a friend mm. of Trump. Wow. Wow. All right. Yep. All right. Wow. One All more right. story. We have time for one more story. All right, before you do it, Jerome, let me say this. We're gonna lose the live listeners here in about sixty seconds. So if you're listening on a website somewhere, you're going to be cut off. But that's okay. Uh you can always listen during the week. Just go to Blog Talk Radio or just type in the serious side and that's the S E S E A R I O U S S I D E. That's serious side, all one word, one S. And you can find the show. Jerome, last story for us, sir, if you don't mind. All right, so we'll do this really quick. An angry hippo tossed an American woman, 37, from her canoe and drugged her under and broke her leg while she was on a vacation in Zimbabwe. Please stop playing with, with animals in the wild. They are not your friends. There you go, Americans. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Stay in your boat. Thank you. That's all I want to say. <laughs> Thank you very much. All righty, then, Drew. Wow. What a story to end on wow. as usual. All right. All right, so we're going to lose the live audience in 10 seconds. It's been a pleasure serving you. If you're listening on the phone, you will get the entire show. Or if you're listening uh, through your devices, obviously, you will hear the entire show as well. All right, it is time for our final thoughts. And, Jerome, man, you have the mic, sir. You hey. go first, man, final thoughts. Yep, I defer to my brother, Elias. He wasn't here. 
Make it hot, Elias. All right, there you man. go, Mr. Elias. Wow. Final thoughts, hey. sir. Well, you know, some folks, it's always it's always good to get out and go visit your people. So go out and visit your people and, and find out what's going on with them. I went down to Houston to uh, see my niece and my brother Jay and had a real good time. You know, I, had, I even had a better time than whooping Jay. Look, well, I defer that right now. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it had to be said, Jay. It had to be said. Get out and vote, folks. Get out and vote. If you don't get out and vote, folks, you don't have a voice. If you don't get out and vote, the same thing that's happening in Wisconsin and Michigan will happen to you. And for those who don't believe that your vote count, guess what? This is why they're doing it. If they weren't suppressing their vote, if your vote didn't count, they wouldn't suppress it. So why are they doing it to suppress your vote? Because your vote counts, folks. Don't let nobody tell you this. <laughs> you know, like you said, it's a wonderful thing you get a chance to spend time with friends and family. And uh, obviously, I had a great time with him being in the house. It was a wonderful thing. I wish he could have been here for the whole show, but that's okay. Celius will be here next Sunday for the for you know the entire show. Let me say this: I want to say thank you to our listeners, people who listen to this show. I want to thank you for all the wonderful comments you leave us throughout the week. And listen, I want to thank the haters too, because if we if you yeah. are hating on us, that means one thing and one thing only. You're tuned in, and just like my man, what was this guy's name? Bob the Republican, now he's Bob the Democrat. You know, we can change it one person at a time. Just continue to listen. Continue to check out the facts, because what we tell you here is true. We don't make it up. We don't cover some stories. We don't cover all. We try to provide the gap that mainstream media don't give you. If you like Rush Limbaugh, Go listen to Rush Limbaugh. If you like Fox News, go listen to Fox News. We're going to continue to do what we've been doing here for years. We've been here for, what, six, seven, eight years now? We're going to continue to tell you what you need to hear. Don't like it? Change the channel. That's all I have to say. And on that note, Mr. L.E.S., if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Wow, Joe. Folks, it's been a pleasure serving you. So for Vanessa May Belly, for the Macinelli, for Jackie, for Jerome, and my main man, Mr. Elias. I'm, I'm Jay Ross. Have a great work week. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side of the Jay Ross Show. See you next week, folks. Appreciate you. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network.